On this episode, I chat to share farmers Cheryl Smith from medicinal herb farm Solemn Farm and young hemp farmer Hannah Navarra. Together, they have forged a unique share farm model in which labour exchange, accommodation and equipment are all factored into a unique mutually beneficial arrangement. The farmers connected through Young Farmers Connect, a not-for-profit organisation that supports pathways for young farmers. I also speak to its co-founder and principal coordinator, Joel Orchard, about the needs for greater resources and support to achieve fairer outcomes for emerging farmers. As property prices skyrocket, creating significant barriers to dynamic young farmers entering the market, and ageing farmers look for ways to continue living on productive, regeneratively managed land, on this season of Farming Together, our host Amanda Scott explores the ins and outs of a collaborative and creative solution that's quickly gaining momentum. Share farming on this season of Farming Together. Now, I haven't had the pleasure of meeting Hannah and Cheryl before. Joel, I've met you a number of times, but I just thought it'd be great if you could do just a bit of a, a quick introduction as to who you are and I guess this role that you play in this collective picture that I have in front of me this morning. So Cheryl, you start with you. I'm one of the owners of Solon Farm, which is on Yagle country. They call it the Aluka hinterland. We've got 25 acres here of really absolutely divine country on which we grow herbs, medicinal herbs, limes and a couple of cows. So part of uh, my part in the picture is having had looked for somebody to share the farm with and then I'm sure the story will come out over the podcast as to how that all occurred and how we were lucky enough to find Hannah and Leon. And, yeah, so I farm the land alongside Mike, my partner. I call him a, a regenerator. He's a soil, soil nut. So we have beautiful alluvial just this beautiful, rich soil, and then we just keep improving that. So, yeah, that's us. <laughs> Fantastic. Lovely, lovely to hear your story so far, Cheryl. Thank you. And, and <laughs> Hannah, over to you. Hi. Yes, I'm Hannah, and um, I am share farming with Cheryl. So me and my partner, Leon, we've been growing industrial hemp for three or four years. We were looking for a new place to grow, yeah, we found Solemn Farm and Cheryl and Mike and moved here. And so I guess now we're continuing to farm industrial hemp as well as looking at a lot of different regenerative forms of farming from our time being here. I grew up in the city but moved up to the Northern Rivers to learn about food growing about five or six years ago. And since then I did a bit of studying like the permaculture certificate at the Mullumbimby Community College and the Diploma of Organic Farming. Yeah, my partner Leon, he's done like a few different like land care and management courses as well. So we both had done like little bits of studying in farming, but didn't actually come from farming backgrounds originally. But we, yeah, got into farming as a way to create different industries for Australia because we were quite against extractive industries like coal and gas. So we wanted to have a go at a productive industry and that kind of led us to farming. And then, yeah, the stories just kind of evolved from there. And Joel, tell us a bit about yourself and what you do. 
Sure. Uh, so my name's Joel Orchard. My role in this conversation is one part of the Young Farmers Connect team, which is a national volunteer-run, not-for-profit organisation that's really centred around supporting pathways for new and younger farmers into the sector. My particular passion is in the agroecology space and local food economies. Um, and I've known both Cheryl and Hannah now for years and years and have watched both their journeys as individuals and on the sort of farming progress. I think I'm sort of particularly thrilled around the kind of relationships and how we can be a part of building relationships between new farmers like Hannah and linking them with experienced farmers like Cheryl and Mike and facilitating pathways to see more of these kind of success stories. Fantastic. Sounds like a really um, important and critical service that uh, you're able to provide an offer. And as you say, it sounds like you've also developed those really strong friendships as well over the years with the people that you've worked with. I feel blessed being able to sort of uh, be involved in so many new farmer stories around Australia. And it's, yeah, it's really exciting to see a big shift in culture. Absolutely. And I guess this is one of the reasons that we launched into doing this second podcast series. Our first podcast series was all different forms of collaboration. And then, you know, talking to a lot of farmers across the country, one of the things that we've really heard so strongly at the moment is all forms of share farms and share farming, leasing, adjusting. And it doesn't seem to matter what scale of farming or what industry, there's this really strong desire to share the land with others in really healthy and productive ways. Mm. So that's part of the reason, I guess, for bringing this series together. I guess that's a good launching pad to sort of ask, what was the catalyst for change? How did this partnership, collaboration come about? It was really interesting as we've got this abundant it's 25 acres, but the, the abundance here on Solon and in this area that we're in is phenomenal. And there was only so much that two pairs of hands could do in terms of diversifying and, and looking at the different income streams and everything. And I thought there's got to be something else. And, you know, in all truth, we, we, we have had some previous experiences with share farmers that have not have been as successful as the, the ones we've had at the current situation with Hannah and Leon and we really wanted to step into a share farming role with our lessons learned and into a space where we could really see the land at maximum production and the ecology thriving but also supporting somebody else to get into regen farming and so we're certified organic too so there's a lot of things we have to do on solar farm so we really need people who are just absolutely passionate and so there was a not a criteria, I think, but there was just some checklists going on in my mind about, you know, well, open heart, communicator, people who were really ready to roll their sleeves up and get in and have a go. And there was this, yeah, there was a cat, that was the catalyst was really looking at the abundance, the capacity for abundance on the land. And those mm-hmm. key points that you spoke about, the open heart and so forth, was, did they stem from les- lessons learnt? In previous experiences? Or? They stemmed from the lessons learnt within ourselves, not so much from what other people, what had happened in the past, but from the lessons learnt that Mike and I learned is to communicate clearly, is to 
get that people live differently and and move with that and embrace that. We have we have a really strong ethos here of we just get in and we just we smash it out, we get it done, and then we all go our separate ways and live our lives. You know, this is a, it's this. I would would you agree, Hannah? It's like this this weaving that we do, and it's just really works. So yeah, lessons learned yeah. that have made us, I would say, better share farmers. Brilliant. Yeah. And so how did you, Cheryl and Hannah, meet? It was through the Young Farmers Network, through one of Joel's pages, the Young Farmers Network. It was just a Facebook page, actually. Me and Leon put an advertisement that we were looking for somewhere else to live because the previous situation that we were in, we were renting land. So kind of different to share farming or a different aspect of share farming. We were renting for $200 a week, our patch of land. But with the increase in housing prices, we couldn't really afford to be renting land for farming and also renting somewhere to live. So the previous situation wasn't working so well anymore. So we were looking for somewhere that we could farm and live to make everything easier. And so, yeah, I posted the ad on the Young Farmers Connect group and Cheryl replied and then we met each other. Um, yeah, we came down to visit and that was our first meeting. And, and, you, and you met for about three hours and talked for about three hours or something like that. Is I that think right? so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we sat in the paddock and just had a yarn, really. I remember that day. We just, the, the three of us just sat down and just started to talk and hang out. Because yeah. you're going to be, yeah, you share farming. You're sharing, you're sharing land, you're sharing equipment, you're sharing tools, you're sharing, this is our, our situation, we're, we're sharing the land so to me the right fit just was a no-brainer and what does that relationship for you guys actually look like honey you spoke about you know one form of we you know share farming leasing land however you want to frame it was about paying for use of the land Mm -hmm. what does the arrangement look like between you now under this share farming Mm. Well, we have a few different arrangements. So one of them is crop sharing, I guess you could call it. So yeah, we're um, crop sharing the industrial hemp crop that we are working on at the moment. So yeah, that's an agreement. And there's lots of different aspects to it, like to do with costings and machinery and labor. And we kind of have just found a way to make it work and share it evenly. But it's constantly evolving. So, yeah, there's constantly different costs coming up and we're always talking, I guess, like Cheryl was mentioning, like constantly communicating. Yeah, so that's one part, the share farming for the actual crop. And then there's our um, rental agreement, which is our work hours for Solemn Farm. So that's us actually like getting out on the farm, putting compost on the soil, mulch, harvesting medicinal herbs doing work in the lime orchard, that's what we were doing today. That's our rental living agreement and then there's our share farming. And they're they're separate agreements and we kind of see them as separate and that makes it easier. Has it been really challenging to try and work out what is fair and good for both parties? Is that... I know some people talk about it's really hard to place a value on things and what things are worth and find an agreement that works for both. Has it been challenging or can you talk about that process? For, for Mike and I coming from this 
you know, we've been farming for a long time <laughs> and we really value every hour that is spent working and obviously moving things forward in the production line or whatever the season requires. So for Mike and I, it hasn't really been difficult to place a value on that because it's valued greatly. The exchange for rent, there's some things that I couldn't do here on the farm if I didn't have that exchange. I've been able to put in more medicinal crops. I've just put in the ashwagandha, which is something I've been wanting to do for years. And it was a huge job to prepare the beds for that and to do all that. And then the planting day was massive. And we, we have these one days a week where it's all hands on deck. And so there's big projects that happen on that day. So I've been really able to expand my deepest dreaming for solemn and the medicinal herb aspect through really valuing that, that labour. Sounds like it's created a great win-win for you, both. Mm, yeah, totally. We're just so grateful to be here as well, that five hours a week or whether it be five or six hours or seven hours a week, like the work is all so nice anyway. Like you learn so much and you're upskilling so much just from being on these work days that it's a pleasure to give like the labour hours here especially on an established farm, you know, with like systems in place. It's the easiest part to just like work for the working days. Like more challenging part is probably more with the hemp and like designing your own business. But the labour hours, especially as young people, like I'm 28 and my partner's 29, doing labour hours is so easy for us. And I'd probably say the same for many other people, young to mid-age people that, they're so happy to be giving labour hours if there's the opportunity to work in a healthy environment with a good crew, with really good food around you. Like, it's beautiful, yeah. And almost a bit of a mentoring process um, mm. by the sounds of it. A hundred percent. Like, yeah, if we did move on to a different place, I would love to be able to grow herbs for um, Solon Farm, for example, and we've probably learnt the skills now that we could do that, like from seed to soul, which is the ethos here, I guess, like growing from this and then producing it to the soul. Sounds like you guys have a really amazing relationship. Coming very much from the same sort of philosophies and, and value position, which, you know, I hear over and over again is really critical and fundamental to underpin any kind of arrangement like this, whether it's informal or formal, if people aren't aligned at their core values. It can be challenging. Joel, I'm interested in your broader perspective and experience. Do you find that there can be a challenge to try and work out between landholders and, and leasees or share farmers the arrangement that is fair and reasonable to both parties? What's your experience with seeing some of these kind of partnerships evolve? Probably to add your statement that, you know, we're seeing more interest in these kinds of relationships but I think it's also uh, underpinned by a real desperate need mm. as we know like the price of land is becoming increasingly prohibitive for young people to enter into the sector and we really need these kinds of land sharing arrangements to help facilitate more opportunities and for our food security and the development in general of the small-scale farming sector you know, having these kinds of share agreements is, is fundamental to its success. 
And I guess the other part of the issue is that there really has been so little interest in developing good quality resources to help mm. these kinds of relationships develop. Uh, we know through the work we've done at Young Farmers Connect, like these kinds of programs and platforms to help with developing land share agreements and relationships is really well resourced and developed. But here in Australia, I think probably for far too long, the investment has all been in large scale agribusiness to the omission of support for the small scale farming sector, which is really diverse and dynamic and has a lot of nuances of its own that needs to be better understood. And yeah, that's something we've tried to look at doing is in building sort of templates and guidelines around what a land share agreement needs to look like, what a conflict resolution program can look like, ideas and inspiration around all of the variances in types of land share agreements that are possible. I mean, as, as Cheryl and Hammond have spoken about now, they've got a unique arrangement, which is unique to their context. And every farmer and well, farmers will have that. But we also know that, you know, vast amounts of our peri-urban and eastern seaboard farmland is being bought up by, you know, new landholders that don't necessarily come with a farming background to understand what a share farming agreement can look like. And as we know from a young farmer perspective, if this is the first time you've sought out an agreement, where do you go looking for ideas as to what that needs to look like? It's interesting when you compare, say, the process that's evolved between Hannah and Cheryl here, whereas uh, we looked at a program in Canada that will fund and support a 12-month facilitation process be between a land, an existing landowner and a new share farmer to ensure that all of these social dynamics are eased through, that both parties are really comfortable, that there's an enduring collaboration and so that we can see successful enterprises with true, true endurance for financial viability and, and land use. So, I mean, there's just nothing like that in Australia at the moment. This is mm -hmm. all kind of bootstrapped together. A lot of it is guessing games without knowing too much about Hannah's previous experience, but we do see so many examples of young farmers getting shafted and shifted on after having invested in short periods of time. And it's to the detriment of the sector and we lose so many young farmers who just get burnt out and, and financially burnt through these processes. So yeah, it's so important. Absolutely, Joel. And to, to be honest, I think you, I do have a bias that my personal interest is in collaboration. And part of something that I've seen over and over again is we can, we can present all the different collaborative models that are out there and possible but without actually facilitating and, and growing in our skills, in our ability to work together well and to navigate those differences which can actually turn out to be strengths, you know, and to, to help grow these strong and deeply and truly collaborative relationships. Without doing that, you're very unlikely to, as you say, have any endurance or have any success. So there's a core part of this process. This is about relationships. It's about emotions as well as logic, as well as business. So fundamentally important. I also agree with you, all your comments around access to land becoming more expensive and the need to, to need to go where to find that support. And, and one of the things that I've heard a lot of farmers say is, look, I can share my, my agreement with you as a guide to help people understand what that looks like, but you really need to know that, as you said, context matters. 
So just because this arrangement is right for one person, it doesn't mean it's right for another person. So I think that's a really important thing to consider as well. And I guess the other side, this is what you're trying to, to do, Joel. We've got all these young and emerging farmers who can't access land. But on the other side, I'm hearing of all these farmers who've been farming for generations and, they, and their kids don't want to take over the farm. But they really desperately don't want to leave their farm, but they don't know what to do. I think when you're older and when you have less appetite for risk or change, it could almost even be harder for this group of people to again, know where to go to understand what the options are available to them. So I think it's, yeah, it's, it's this opportunity that we're seeing now to help bridge older farmers or landholders as well who, who don't know how to grow or how to produce food with the young and emerging farmers. It's got huge potential, but as you say, we need to find the right kind of structures and support to not just do a one-off workshop or here and there, but to actually really guide people through the process together. And to add to that as well, I mean, when we started Young Farmers Connect years ago, I, I guess the kind of primary issue was just access to land. But we've since realised that the problem is far more complex than that. I mean, and as Hannah spoke to, like, the cost of living is now prohibitive for new farmers. When we think about the risk of starting a new enterprise, the often long time it takes to get any return on your investment uh, to be able to afford to live while also investing your lifetime in, in a farm op operation is really challenging. And we've now recognised that one of the fundamental barriers to new young farmers in the industry is the lack of housing. I mean, mm -hmm. if, you, if you can't find somewhere to live near your farm, then you certainly can't afford to invest in both. And, you know, that's becoming increasingly concerning, as is access to market and access to equitable investment in new enterprises as well. It's, it's the kind of complexity of these challenges which are creating the barriers, not just access to farmland. Because as you say, there is lots and lots of farmland that is very underutilised and could be far more productive. But yeah, there's all the other roadblocks as well. And I guess potentially that's where these kind of mentoring opportunities and sharing stories can help inspire. I love uh, one farmer I was talking to the other, the other day, and I will ask you both the same question as well. I said, what kind of advice would you give to someone who is looking to, to share farm or, or lease land? And she said, be creative, think outside the box, take a risk and do things differently. And I think that's what we need to have an appetite for, Joel, and we need to have the infrastructure to support that because we can't necessarily do things the way we've always done them. Um, the mentoring thing too, it goes both ways. There's a lot about the, the landholder and then the young farmer coming in. But And I know that Mike and I have had this conversation many a time that we have learnt so much from Hannah and Leon. So that mentoring does cut both ways and it's a wonderful opportunity of anyone who is the landholder if you can, can sit there and just absolutely open up to another point of view just to sit and listen around another angle for a system or an angle for a way to do the workday or a thought process. We've learnt so much. That does cut both ways and there's, there's so much in this for the landholder from that perspective. It's a privilege. It's a privilege to have people on your land and to farm with them. Yeah, I hear that a lot too, actually. Um, mm. People get are so surprised how reciprocal that 
learning is for everyone involved. Just thinking before when we were talking about, yeah, like access to land, there's obviously a lot of land that needs farming and that's kind of how we first started. We were like, oh, we'll get the hemp licence. We got the industrial hemp licence. It's a five-year licence. And then we were like, oh, let's just find somewhere to grow because that's the only way we'll learn. And that's how we ended up with our rent agreement. We also tried to look for resources then but couldn't find anything. This is at the previous farm. We just used the New South Wales tenant agreement. But, yeah, like we had no access to water, no sheds, like absolutely nothing. Like we even like dug the bore and put like a pump in, put solar in, like literally irrigated the whole place. And so that's an example of like two really ambitious people just like really wanting to get into it. And that was great because we learnt a lot to bring to this place. But in hindsight, yeah, some sort of basic standards for what the farmer who Absolutely. has the land has to provide, i.e. like at least some sort of water connection, would be really good to start off with. It's, yeah. I've also heard that and had that conversation with many people as well about what, what should the landholder be responsible for? Mm-hmm. And what should the share, you know, the share farm or leasee be responsible for? And it's it's an interesting discussion about who, what responsibility sits with whom. And it probably is very context specific. But again, as you say, Hannah, maybe some guidelines or some insights and in how other people have done it. Yeah, totally. Because if you don't have a good relationship with the landholder, then they're the kind of issues that really come up, like fencing. Like we had cows going through our crop all the time and then we only learnt that it was our responsibility to keep the fencing fixed and keep the cows out and that became a tension and like a, a point of conflict between us because the relationship wasn't good. So all those little things that come up become quite a big deal. And there was a lot of that, those kind of issues of whose who's responsibility it was to do what. Yeah, it's not very nice when you're dealing with, like, mm. their power struggles as well. So, and yeah. so how, it sounds like you guys have navigated yeah. that space pretty well. How, what's, been, what's been the secret to success for you there? Oh, well, this situation was just totally different from the beginning and I guess that's it, like, because I think we both met on the regenerative vibe with, like, a deep passion for earth care and regenerative farming we just understood each other through those concepts but that is a very special relationship I I guess because we'd farmed before we knew like we could bring a few skills and different things but not everyone would have such a unique relationship so I guess that's why it's important to have the guidelines and structures in place but yeah we never had any of those issues here because We were just communicating all the time and just putting in as much effort as possible because we want to see Solemn Farm be like as good as it can be. It's in our interest as well. And I think, yeah, just on the practical level, we've just, you know, we knew that we were going to use this new part of the farm to do the last hemp crop. So the first thing we did was fence it. And we bought the fencing gear and then it was our day because it's a fence, it's improving our, our land. So, right, okay, we buy the gear, everyone roll our sleeves up, let's get the fence done. So I like to use, you know, what's reasonable here? Well, the fence is going to be on solemn forever. So, right, we'll get that, <laughs> Do you know. And then, right, let's, let's all throw our labour in for the day and just get it sorted. 
It sounds like you guys really have a clear sense of how you see fair and reasonable between each of you, but also I not only do you seem to have like shared underlying values, which is important, but which I've spoke about, but also this collective commitment. Hannah, I loved how you were saying like the success of Solemn Farm is our success as well. Like we are all in this together for the bigger picture. So we're working for something that's greater than just what we're doing for ourselves. And I think that's a really important part as well. How, how would you help people develop some guidelines in this kind of working relationship if, like, if it wasn't really clear where the, the, those responsibilities should fall? It, it needs to be clear. So that's how I would help them. It absolutely needs to be clear before we begin the dance. If it's not clear and if there's disparity or some, some distortion there, then I'd sort of rewind a bit and then come back to meeting again. So it absolutely has to be clear. I remember the day when Hannah and Leon were there and, and I just said to them, guys, I'm really neat. I like, I love my farm to be neat and this is my thing. So, yeah, the thing that I learned from my permaculture course was we didn't eat until all the tools were back in the shed, you know, let's really respect and love our tools and let's put them all back. And it happens. They've really respected that because that, that is absolutely big for me. That's one example that I was able to actually really speak something that would really trigger me, actually. If there's junk everywhere, I'm just like, ah, this is... Because it actually leans into my production systems and, you know, you see a little bit of bale twine, pick it up because I don't want that in... That'll go straight through the whole processing, mm. you know. So the, the farm has to be neat and tidy to really keep the standard of the medicinals mm. at the level that they are. So there's reasoning behind my desire and need to have everything pretty well pretty well sorted so yeah that open communication and the continual revisiting of communication that's what I would say but again I can't agree with both Joel and Hannah Moore in that we really some more resources would be good and yes this we have a, a great share farming arrangement we have been so lucky so lucky in this process there needs to be more resources out there that generally just say these things around, well, here's a communication process. What are the key points of what I need to look at? Some problem-solving stuff as if things start to get a little bit bumpy because you can come back. You, you can come back from a little bit of a bumpy road and, yeah. and that common ecology because we see Hannah and Leon as joining the ecology of Solon Farm. There's a new part to the ecology here. It's Hannah and Leon and, and it's been an abundant process mm. for us. And that, that's, that's our mindset, that's how we think. Yeah. And just to add to what Cheryl was saying, like something that could be on the resources that seems quite simple is like, which you might not know if you didn't grow up on a farm, that you've got to follow the standard that's like being laid out for you by the person you're share farming from as well, especially if it's a high standard. Like if they look after their tools in a certain way or put them away, then you should probably do it exactly the same as them. And that's like a way you can show like respect as well to the existing operation. As you say, you're part of the ecology, so you can easily upset the system yeah. if, you're not, if you're not empathetic to it. All of us can. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Anything that surprised you the most? Wow. Um, I guess surprise wouldn't be the right word. Hannah and Leon landed here. Then we went into the drought 
and then uh, we were carting water in and there was a stage during that time where I literally just had to go, right, I can't, I can't afford to water you. Hannah and Liam were carting water with us and, and then the bushfires turned up and they were fighting fires with us. So I guess that what I'm trying to say is that they landed in a two of the hardest seasons and then we flooded and now we're COVIDing. So, yeah, that would be my surprise. Our gift is the, the get on in, roll your sleeves up capacity of, of these two. You know, when things are really getting difficult, like they were during that, that drought in particular, We've done droughts before in our previous farming lives. We've had acreage out west and that this last particular drought, I've, we've never experienced it, really had me particularly on my knees. I was ready to go, right, I don't think we actually would have still been here if it wasn't for the collective work of everyone on the farm. I guess surprise probably isn't the right word, but deep gratitude and being a really good thing. And do you think going through those things together has made your relationship stronger? Hmm. I, I certainly, uh, when, when we arrived home and we thought we'd just go for a day because we thought everything had settled and we come home and the firefighters are here again because there's been a, a Hannah's there with the fire hose at the back of our house. <laughs> come back down and I'm just, oh, shit. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it has made us stronger. <laughs> I think it has, yeah. yeah. Definitely. And what about for you, Hannah? What surprised you the most? Um, Yeah, probably on the same wavelength, I guess. Like even just seeing like Cheryl and Mike with like the ute and one ICB container on the back of the ute, like trying to get water to all the different herbs, the more established herbs like the rosemary and the ones that had been there for a while and were going to keep being there. Yeah, the hardships of not having any water from drought like not because of any irrigation issues but yeah climate change exactly but the commitment of just like keeping this little these patches alive when everything else was so dry and then the way that's kind of bounced back since the rains have come like the whole place has totally changed and just like sprouted to life again even though it looked so dry so dry like when we look back at photos of that time you can barely recognize the paddocks they look completely different and for you joel from your experiences what surprised you most it's important that we recognize that you just don't know what you don't know and that's Mm -hmm. i guess why we're so passionate about delivering these toolkits because it fast tracks the learning and it enables people to have something solid to stand on and to attach themselves to and then build on it, add those layers of personal context and add those layers of shared learning, which is really important when we, when we think about, I mean, especially coming into this regenerative and organic farm space, like your, your biggest asset is in your investment in the soils. And we really need enduring partnerships in order to build resilient businesses, but also to build resilient landscapes. And if we can't find platforms that support these kinds of partnerships to have long-term implications, then it just creates such a power imbalance between parties and we'll end up losing more farmers than we'll gain them if we can't create really solid, stable relationships which are founded on values, as we've talked about, but which are also really founded on consistency and 
understanding and all of the notions of sharing risk when it comes to flood management and fire protection and drought management. These are all challenges that we are going to be facing on an increasing intensity and also in in a far more regular fashion. So if we can't build businesses in partnerships which can withstand those kinds of challenges, then these these are the things we really need to be addressing. Absolutely. And always better together, hey? It's fundamental. The constant ask that we get to provide resources for these kinds of relationships is regular. Like I get through our Young Farmers Connect network asks like at least once a week, do you have guidelines on how to build a lease agreement or I'm looking at building a share farming agreement. Do you have any resources? And they don't exist. We have had now years of trying to get funding to support these really important documents. And it's just so difficult. The Mm. traditional ag sector seems to ignore the small scale farming systems as, as a valuable part of our economies, as a really important part of our food system. And certainly, you know, COVID shone the light on just how important local food economies are for food security as well. So it's, it's something that we're really committed to developing, but yeah, still something in, in progress. Anything that's new and emerging can take time to evolve and develop. And if they don't already, people will really start to recognise and value the small scale faming more as we progress. So I, I think it's a really exciting space to be in. It's one that because we don't have all the answers yet, but there's so much opportunity and possibility that there's a great future ahead for small scale farming for regenerative ag. I think, yeah, you guys are really in a, a really important spot at the moment. And I guess going on to that point, I, I'm interested to know from each of you what your vision for the future is. Vision for the future for Solom is to have the medicinal herb farm that creates an ecology where the growing of medicinal herbs will thrive. And so the diversity of what I grow and the way in which we grow. So the future and, and then to, to move into production and to expand that on the whole farm is the farm vision is with the focus on the soil. Everything we do begins with the soil here to open the farm to people who want to learn more. And your vision, Hannah? Mm. Yeah, well, on the solemn farm level, like we know we're not going to be here forever, but while we're here, we want to give as much as possible to helping set up, yeah, Cheryl's vision for the um, medicinal herbal farm and also even with the oil press that we're going to be putting the hemp seed through, like help set up the foundation so that even if we're not here, of course, it, it will still function with whoever comes in for education. And so what we leave here can actually continue on putting energy into that. And then I guess in the broadest sense, it's kind of that landless farmers and farmerless land concept, are like helping to build on that. I guess there's so many people that we know that are our age that are looking for either somewhere to live or something to do with their life, like, you know, a career or profession. And they're often people full of energy and, like, fully able, fully ably bodied. So, yeah, we want to help encourage people to farm because it's a lifestyle that probably a lot of people like. 
hike, you know, you get to live on the land, um, all the benefits of farming, like working for yourself, not having to work for other people. Yeah, just encouraging like our community and friends to create these relationships, get out there, get on the land and grow a raw material that is for the community. Sounds like people need to come out and visit you guys and be yeah. inspired. They do. Yeah. <laughs> and Joe, what's your vision? Yeah, I think to follow on from both Cheryl and Hannah, you know, we recognise well we have now a, a substantial national network of young farmers that share that ethos and a vision for connecting with the land and want to start sustainable enterprises and, and move into food systems as a part of their life vision. And I want to help create and facilitate more support for those people and to see land held in trust for sustainable farmland use indefinitely and make it easier to access you know, pathways to market and help more people engage in the local food economy, but in a more networked, connected and collaborative way than we've seen in the past. And I think, you know, we've got really great examples throughout the world to look for inspiration. We're probably at least 10 years behind here in Australia to the ecosystem of the small scale farming sector in North America and certainly in Europe. You know, it's easy for us to, to learn to do the things better and, and quicker than, you know, perhaps make the same fumbling mistakes. So, yeah, hopefully we can, we can see more of these great relationships develop and, and um, yeah, more people be able to engage in the sector. Absolutely. Fantastic visions all around, really. Yeah, just beautiful. What advice would you give to others who are looking to do similar things to what you've done? Well, I mean, as you say, I mean, it is great to have on-farm visits and inspiration, which is why, you know, it was only, what, about a month ago we did take the Northern Rivers Young Farmers Connect community down to have a look at what Cheryl and Anna are doing together. And, yeah, the feedback is so many people come away from these events full of inspiration and with renewed kind of enthusiasm to explore it in their own way. Um, they make connections with a community who are all sharing the same challenges, but are also who learning together. I mean, I really believe in the development of peer support networks so that, you know, there's a culture where we can share our challenges and concerns, but also lessons learned. What we're seeing is more openness for that, whereas probably traditionally the farming community has been insular in many ways and haven't had the tools and equipment to be able to share their their stories through platforms like this and and through the work we're doing we're seeing that as a new culture and a, a new desire to share for everyone's benefit so your advice is connect with as many people as possible who are doing what you're interested in doing absolutely and create that support network really I guess for the landless farmer who's looking to share farm, thinking about what you can offer, whether it be like labour or a seed variety or knowledge of a crop, and then being able to put together that offer to the farmer is something that's really useful, I think. Everyone's got something to offer, yeah. And also to just go for it with the resources as well, like they're with you, but to not be afraid to create something new from the, the land holders perspective know exactly where you are and what you're doing and have a lot of clarity in the communication and communicate communicate mm -hmm. communicate yeah the reciprocity is is just amazing mm -hmm.
for more tools and resources to help you work collaboratively, head to farmingtogether.com.au or join the conversation on the Farming Together Programs Facebook page. You're listening, listening to, to the, the Farming, Farming Together Podcast. Podcast.